0: Trip's coming up. Lauren's been telling me that I need to get precheck, and I still don't have precheck. You need global entry is what you need. Well, yeah. So I was looking into global entry and it was like, it's like a six month process. And I was like, I don't have time to do global entry by the time I leave the country.
1: In well, two you should weeks. still start it though.
0: Yeah, but I figured I want to get pre before that because I still have a lot of flights between now and six months. And so I figured I'll get pre-check now and then also get global entry. And I know I'm wasting money by doing that because global entry includes pre-check, but from like a usability standpoint, it makes sense to get pre-check, but also my Hmm. Delta, uh, platinum Amex, I guess platinum Amex, not Delta, but
1: platinum Amex actually covers the cost of my pre-check. So it's free. Um, I don't think that's dumb. I know I get it. Some people say that sort of thing, but I'm also the kind of person that I get so much anxiety going through, security that i don't care i'll pay disgusting sums of money to not be rushed and not have to be not see the judging faces of other people as i'm not going through fast enough
0: now I you can that. judge
1: people <laughs> for care. not having pre-check i say that i already have global entry got a little global entry yeah he's fancy <laughs> i want the one for uh japan though specifically um oh yeah, yeah you have entered, what is it? You have to have entered the country twice within a year, which I haven't done yet, or be sponsored um, by a business that they've got all these. It's of course it's Jap it's Japan. They have all these different categories for different things. And you just have to find the one that's relevant to you and applicable. And there's almost, you know, you're pretty much covered if you just look, you look into it enough, but anyway, mm. no, uh, no I, I don't think that's dumb at all. I think it's worth it. Um uh, i I happily pay for comfort in many times and in many ways. So.
0: I mean, we're paying for comfort going to Japan. We got we got first uh, first class tickets. Yeah, I think that's dumb, but also
1: understandable.
0: But, <laughs> but not. But because the tickets were already thirty, like thirty eight hundred dollars or thirty like six hundred dollars, like for standard, uh, like like, like coach or yeah. whatever, and then it was forty two hundred for first class. And so, for like a okay. thirteen hour flight, I feel like that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Totally worth it. It makes sense. Something that... If, uh, also grow
0: paid for it, so.
1: <laughs> if you if you haven't, um, if you've never like done international, it's so much nicer to have so much more legroom. So anytime I'm leaving Iowa, I just feel like I'm in a little matchbox thing. Like I'm just crammed mm. into this tiny little box.
0: That's how I feel when I'm in Iowa.
1: <laughs> I uh, feel the opposite. It's just nothing but corn. There's uh, nothing but corn... <laughs> In space to really do whatever you want. But that's that's something that I feel about people who say, okay, this the whole city versus rural thing. Because I think probably most people listening to this would have the mentality or the mindset of, yeah, but there's nothing to do in the country. And what they mean by that is they need to be entertained. They need other people and other things to entertain them. You can do whatever you want in the country. You can do anything. You want to blow stuff up, you want to light stuff on fire, nobody cares, right? I mean, if you're mm-hmm. truly in the country part, like you, mm-hmm. you're on a the farm, yeah. there's like one cop in twenty in a twenty mile radius of you, and he definitely mm-hmm. doesn't care what you're doing. Unless... It just takes more
0: work. Like, like in the country, like if I want to go play paintball for whatever reason, I can't because I got to go somewhere far. But I can make a paintball field. It just takes yeah. more work to do it. Whereas, like, yeah. I, like if I'm in the city, I'm just fifteen minutes from one.
1: Yeah. you you do you have to entertain yourself
0: in the country that's a bad example for any other paintballers listening to this because they'd be like dude no paintball field is located in a city like you've got to go rural to get to one yeah
1: it's (laughs) like on the fringe
0: right yeah no on uh on on the whole point about travel bringing it back uh uh, so so lauren lauren used to work lauren used to travel for a living so like she she knows she knows the ins and outs she was like george clooney and up in the air except uh when we were watching up in the air she goes actually some of the stuff he's doing is stupid and like because wh- one of the things that he mentioned was always travel behind asians because they always wear slip on shoes and so like when mm-hmm. you're going through the uh tsa like they were super fast they pack light or whatever and she goes well george clooney if you have pre-check you don't have to do any of that anyways
1: yeah well <laughs> that was the that was the same situation as fight club though right it was written as a book that they then switched over so to, i can't remember when it was written but it could have been before a lot of that stuff was done yet too so well,
0: it should have I, I feel
1: like it was, like it was time.
0: i mean it was that all that happened 911 happened in 01 and i feel like up in the air was very much i mean like if the book was written before oh are you looking it up
1: yeah i'm looking it up right now real time fact check 2001 novel by Walter Kim. I remember I started reading it.
0: Oh, so yeah, it was written before, but even then, but even then, like if it, even if it was written before then, like you didn't have the regulations. So like, I don't think that really checks out because you didn't have the regulations after nine 11. Hmm. I just think, I just think that was a dumb mistake, (laughs) but, but Lauren's really good. Like, uh, about, about traveling and optimizing that. And I'm just terrible. Like I, I have Delta clear, but I have Delta clear for free with my, uh, Amex card. And it's the biggest scam. I feel so bad for people who actually pay for that. Like usually when I only get really mad, I tweet things. And you know, like the last tweet <laughs> I have on my Twitter is me like complaining about how awful Delta Clear is. Or it's not even Delta Clear, it's just Clear. Um, because I think it's an airport thing. But it first of all, it doesn't even open till 4 a.m. It's only available at certain like international airports. Mm-hmm. And then uh once you get there, like you have to wait in line for then someone to escort you to the biometric scanner to get in, and then like you're just waiting there forever. I last time I used it, I was going to Tampa for my little sister's graduation. My parent my my, my mom and my stepdad went the to the in the peasant lane and then, like, <laughs> I went into the clear lane and then Lauren and my sister, my older sister, went into the pre-check lane. The clear and the pre-check lane, the pre-check lane was abnormally long. Um, So, I don't know what was going on. But the clear and the pre- pre-check got there slightly before me, but we were still, like, walking through at the same time. The peasant line made it through faster. And I was like, are you, uh, I, clear is, like, $300. Like, I'm paying this, other people are paying this much for this awful service. Mm so just big rant so i i will um i mean i'm not gonna leave
1: clear because i get it free but uh i will get global entry because it's worth it no it's 100 yeah, percent worth it clear by just itself the, the one time that we went to columbia and we came back and we we're in port lauderdale we skipped a line that was like two hours just that by itself like that was worth it
0: we we budgeted like three hours when we went to uh puerto vallarta in mexico we budgeted three hours between the flights because we were able to save each other we were able to save ourselves six hundred dollars on each flight ticket simply by booking one ways so we booked oh. a one way to uh atlanta and then booked one way from atlanta to puerto vallarta and then a one way from puerto vallarta to atlanta one way from atlanta to minneapolis and so like every time we got off the plane we'd have to go out of the airport essentially collect our bags and go back through security and so like it made it super difficult in um uh I guess it didn't really make it difficult because we still landed in Mexico City as like a layover from Atlanta to Puerto Vallarta but um when we uh the biggest issue was like going from Minneapolis to Atlanta because it's like ah instead of just like you know going to our connecting flight we have to budget like three hours so we can leave go back through Atlanta security
1: and then find our flight but Uh, has a hack there. On one hand, this is an extremely pretentious conversation, right? Uh, (laughs) But I I also want to say too, that this has always been my kind of dream of getting to, uh, I've always wanted to do this, like travel for business, especially internationally. It's just been my
0: international businessman.
1: Yeah, exactly. International businessman. So uh, not. Yeah. I was saying also, I love it like this. uh, Anybody who says if they do, if they, get to do the thing that they've wanted to do i'm just happy for them right like please by all means brag like i'm very happy for you and i'm that's just how i feel so i, I want to give people the opportunity to like look you've, you've earned it you deserve it please brag all you can
0: this is very much like the providing healthcare for employees kind of thing for me which is like it was never it never really was a goal but now that i'm doing it in hindsight it was a goal because like this is like in my mind visually this is kind of like what i kind of dreamed of which is stupid yeah. to some people some people are like i've been doing this for years but for me like it's i think i still think it's cool
1: yeah it's novel for us right now maybe in a little bit a little bit that's a relative term maybe years from now we just don't care anymore it's not as exciting this is too long we're gonna get a bad review we're gonna get a bad review this is too uh long well of a... you said you said
0: this was this was novel so speaking of novels um oh nice oh well done. did it did it all right so uh today we actually, for a while, Cody has really wanted to talk about the the book recommendations that we have for aspiring and or current agency owners. And over the years, uh, Cody and I have both read um, a few books that we relate to our agency, but they're not like age, not they're not all agency specific books. They've just helped us grow uh, independently in our own ways. And so you might find some in here that aren't even applicable to you, but I'll explain why they're applicable to me and why they've helped me kind of grow, ever grow and um, you know, myself as a as a person. So um should I get it started? The first one?
1: Yeah, for for what for the record, Jake has a lot more than me, so I'm just gonna like wrap up at the end with my very few that I wrote down. Even though a i said a lot I was, more I'll yeah, I I'll, was excited about this. My camera. Like, I've got very few. But.
0: <laughs> these are these are all the books that I have. Well, and they're not even all of them. I, I, there was only like one missing, but um, and I, I'm also I pulled off the one that you also have, so we do have one overlapping recommendation, oh. which means oh. you have to read that. Yeah, you don't have a choice.
1: <laughs> all right, um, well, yeah, Jake, you get started then. What do you got? I don't even What's know which one, one to one?
0: start. Yeah, I don't even know which one to start with because I can't see these are no one particular order. But I'm gonna try to do a particular order. Um, I think the first one I'm gonna do is. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People <laughs> by Dale Carnegie. Mm. Uh, that's this guy. Here. For those of you watching on YouTube in the future, I do highlight in all of my books. I, I write notes in the margins when I can, and I do I do highlights. For this reason, I don't do audiobooks. And I know there are audiobooks uh, and like, like Kindle and Amazon, or I guess Amazon is Kindle, but like other audio platforms where you can make your own notes and like the online PDF. Like I want to do it physically. So I just want to be able to open it and look at it. And I'm not, I not want to have to try to log in my account and try to find it. But,
1: um, Why is it good? what's good about it? Why you it
0: um, yeah. So I have a very hard time making friends. No. <laughs> 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 and for my entire life, like everything I've done has been kind of, um, about, me trying to trying to have me impress other people to get them to like me and i feel like especially in the agency space there's a lot of people just trying to impress other people thinking that they'll look up to them or that they'll like them and after you read this
1: book everybody's a crab it's a big bucket everybody's Mm -hmm. a crab tearing each other down
0: yeah and but after you i read this book i wish what i would have done is gone through these before this and picked out like my favorite quote from it um well your stack's
1: too tall this would
0: be like two hours right I know, uh, but I read this and like the biggest takeaway from it. So that's this, what I'll do is I'll do my biggest takeaway from each one of them. The biggest takeaway on this is uh, there's a quote in here that goes something along the lines of like, you'll gain a thousand times more friends by asking them what they do versus telling them what you do. Um, I, I, I butchered that. So someone who's read this way more than me will probably be like, no, 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 it's this. But basically the whole premise of that is, if if you're if you're genuinely interested in somebody, or if you if you act or are genuinely interested in somebody else and what they're doing in their life, and you just don't say a single thing about you yourself without them asking, then people will like you more than if you try to impress them with the things that you've done or accomplished. And so, like sometimes when I meet new people, I I, I won't even tell them what I do unless they specifically ask, and I won't even tell them even deeper than that unless they ask deeper. So if someone says, what do you do? I say, I'm in marketing and say, what does that mean? Like, what, like, what's your job? Then like, I might go in, but I I try to keep things ambiguous until they ask. Um, If I can leave, if I can leave like a party or a gathering and know what a lot of people do and nobody knows what I do because nobody asked, um, then I, sometimes I feel proud because I can't shut up about myself. Yeah. I like to talk about myself a
1: lot. Do you, do do I think you read the book? Do you think I have? Yeah. Do you? Do you know? No. If I have or haven't? I don't think you've read it. I have. You? Have, oh, okay. How <laughs> do you like the, it? I liked it. It was a long time ago. Um, here's
0: why. But... Here's why I don't think you read it though. Like because I just feel like you don't care. Like
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we I mean, influence I, people? You're like <laughs> why? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. It's an important skill. Uh, but also, yeah. No, I. I definitely look at many interactions in a calculated way. So, I'm mm-hmm. a robot. But anyway, what's your next one? <laughs>
0: uh, my next one actually isn't in this pile that I showed everybody. My next Whoa. one, I just remembered it. it's what is it? The 7 uh, Habits of Highly Effective People. So, I read I this was actually an audiobook one that I read uh, in 2017. And I actually read the uh um the eighth highly effective skill and i don't you can't ask me what they all are um right now but i know it's like um the first three focus on you the second three habits focus on um your uh, on on your team people around you and then the uh the yeah the last one is basically like rinse and repeat sharpen the saw so i think it's um if i to remember correctly uh begin with the end in mind first things first I don't are the third one and then there then there's like um Think win win, synergize, and I don't remember the sixth one. Uh, let's look at my habits. That? Twenty twenty seventeen, I just said that.
1: Oh, you did? Yeah. That's okay. I spaced out. I
0: talk a lot. So uh like, you what, didn't
1: you clearly didn't read how to win funds and influence people recently because yeah, yeah. you clearly didn't listen to anything I just said. That's what you're like. Okay, here here
0: are the here are the seven. Okay, number one is be proactive. Number two is begin with the end in mind. Number three is put first things first. Um and put first things first is actually it's gonna be a precursor to the next book that I recommend um think win win uh five is seek first to understand then to be understood that it that very much falls into like how to win friends and influence people um and then uh six is synergize and seven is sharpen the saw and there's an eighth one too, and I don't remember what it is, but um I can't like. I know it's hard. I feel like it's a little hypocritical for me to say, hey, I recommend this book. But then, like, I don't remember a lot of them is because mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like I've already changed my persona and my personality to reflect a lot of these principles that I already agreed with. And when you do that, I, f- I feel like the line of uh, delineation is blurred between what you learned and who you are. So um, just keep that in mind. I-, I recommend reading it. I mean, if if that's not a good enough reason, then I guess don't read it. Um, but it's by uh Stephen Covey, so Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. Uh, so the next one I'll jump to the like the middle of my pile here, which is The One Thing. Um, this is actually a book that I picked up at an airport. Um, I don't remember which airport it was though. Uh, it was a US one, but I forgot to bring a book, and so I brought The One Thing, and it is by Gary Keller with Jay Papasan. <laughs> it's an unfortunate last name. Um, I still follow the principles of the one thing. So I also feel like the one thing is like what you say, Cody, which is like a, it's just like a glorified blog post. That's like 180 pages long. Um, Mm -hmm. Wait, let's see how many pages it is. It's roughly, oh, it's roughly like 230. But this, the the principle of this book, I really enjoyed. And and it's actually something that I communicated to Marcus, I'm who's um, just, yeah. what diagnosed with add or adhd i can't remember i have it too um uh, but i can it's so hard for me to focus on literally everything but the one thing like really shows you like hey what is the one thing you could do today that will set you up for this week or what is the one thing you can do this hour that'll set you up for today or the one thing this week that'll set you up for this month this month this year and you just keep thinking like that and that way when you feel overwhelmed with all the things that you have, what is, you just have to think to yourself, what is the absolute one thing that I can do right now that will benefit me for X, Y, Z. And you can extrapolate that to whatever, what is the one thing I can do this month that'll set my business up for success or my agency up for success by the end of this year. Um, and I, I've kind of taken that and done the three things. So, cause I could do three things in a day. Um, so my, my question to my, and I can do three things in a month, I can do three things in a week, it just depends on different magnitudes. But I always say like, what What are the three things that I can do today that will help me? And, and one thing like really extend, it really talks about like individually too, like, what's the one thing I can do? And you can, ex, you know, expand this in different areas of your life. What's the one thing I can do for my marriage that will, that will help it today. What's the one thing I can do for my business that will help it for today. So for me, I only have like, um, two things i have um business and personal life and so like i say what are the three things so sometimes there's two business things and one personal thing. Sometimes there's two personal things and one business thing it just depends on how far the pendulum has to swing and uh that's really helped me just kind of keep things organized um and also what i do on a little tangent is like i have this uh book uh here it's just a it's a this is my to-do book it's it's teal. It matches the cup you got me. Actually, oh, uh, it's like a journal, like a yeah, to do and a it has a beaver on it, and it says "damn it." <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Lauren got this for me, and it, it is a journal, but I use it as like a to do list. So if you look on this page; it's like check like check boxes on everything I have to do. So in the morning, I write out what I have to do, uh, everything, and then I separate or I put a star next to the main ones I need to get done, like if I get none of these done today, what are the three that I have to get done? And then at the end of the day, I rewrite everything out. So nothing is crossed out on a new page. So it's like a fresh slate. And then I start the next day with that and reviewing it and rinse and repeat. And that has like transformed my ADHD and my productivity. All right. Next one. Next one. Start with why Simon Sinek. Uh, I haven't read this book in its entirety. I've skimmed it, and I've also followed Simon Sinek for a while, but his this um, book really does cover his uh, Golden Circle uh, presentation. If you haven't seen that, it's a really good watch. At some point, Simon Sinek, and start with why, is cliche. I mean, he's very much like Gary V now. But if you haven't read it or you don't know what the Golden Circle is, I think it's a really good thing to, um, to read because where. How to win friends and influence people has to deal with more people, uh, liking you and accepting you and, and your beliefs. Start with why really shows you how to get people on the same boat as you and believe in the things that you believe in, especially from an organizational standpoint. So if we hire people and we want them to have the same goals that we have, how do we get them to do that? And it starts with the question, why are we doing this? Um, and if your question, if, if the answer to that question doesn't motivate the people below you or that you bring onto the team, then either you're bringing the wrong people onto the team or your motivation for why probably needs to be reflected on. Um, I put The Master Key to Riches in this Ooh, pile, good. but I put it in this pile for you because I have not <laughs> read this book all the way through. I only read like the first like 30 pages, I think. Mm. Um, so I dense. wanted. I wanted you to, to give, you don't have to recommend it, but I want you to give a brief rundown of why you recommended this book to me. <laughs>
1: uh, why? I I can't remember. I can't remember why I recommended it to you. I feel this was a switcheroo. Like, I was just ready for all your books and just here eating my popcorn. Like, ah, yeah, Jake's got this book.
0: <laughs> so um, by Napoleon Hill, and he also wrote um, Yeah, uh, Thinking Grow Rich. Rich. Yeah, which yeah. I think you also recommended right
1: yeah i I think master key to riches is is the the deeper thinking grow rich uh it's a little bit more metaphorical and that sort of thing but honestly the one thing i can remember about that book at this point in time is there's a very short like maybe two pages max about uh spouses or significant others and how it's important to whoever you're with to have them be on your team and be supportive. And that's a really critical thing. And mm-hmm. if you're not having that, uh, you got to reevaluate your life a little bit, I think. And I agree with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, uh,
0: Alex from Mazi talks about that a little bit, uh, in a recent podcast episode about if you want somebody in your life, that person ought to have the same goals as you. If he doesn't say, he doesn't say the word should, which is uh, I've been trying to do that just to see how difficult it is. And it's really hard to not say should to not say should. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Or have to. So like basically uh, nobody should have to do anything, but he says, if you want this, then this is what you have to do. But Uh, if you don't want that, then this is what would be ideal or something.
1: Yeah. I guess should kind of implies that you're making assumptions on, other person's motives and goals and that sort of thing then you can't Mm -hmm. really there's no reliable way that you can gauge somebody else's devotion or dedication to a particular thing
0: i I can't remember if i so i've been diving into the whole guru space and uh because i you know i got it you know one of my books in my list here is art of war and gotta know your enemy sun tzu (laughs) so I, I've been, I've been diving into the guru space and for forever. I'm like, Oh, Alex is just another like newer guru. And I know, I know he's not newer. He's newer in terms of relativity, in terms of like the public high, because he grew his business in private. But, um, I, I think my perception of Alex Ramazzi was wrong. Uh, because what I hate is his followers. His followers are like tool fans, like the band. Tool. <laughs> well, like, like tool is good by itself. Um, but like their fans are just awful. And every time I saw like other fake gurus who like quoted or like aspired or followed or, or whatever, um, Alex, I was just like, God, I hate Alex Harmozy. But then like, I started like actually listening to his stuff. I'm like, Oh, I, I feel like he's just attracting, you know, a a, a big audience. And a lot of that audience is, is full of bad actors because there's nothing that i there's very little i'm not going to say there's nothing there's very little uh i disagree with uh alex farmasi on but he did have he did have that episode about uh, it wasn't an episode about it he was just asked about you know having a, a spouse so uh it just related oh, cool. to that but uh all right what should i do should we do um you said the art of war what's what's touching that right. one physically We'll, we'll jump to the oh, it's like on the bottom oh. what's what's touching it uh yeah oh i have two arts of war in here
1: (laughs) that was important
0: (laughs) so there's a bunch of different translations of the art of war um i don't like the art of war that much to have two different translations of it i have one that i bought which is a very thick boy i got that in 2017 but uh, 2017 was a big book phase for me but what i thought i was grabbing the second copy of it lauren got this for my um my wood table over there as like a decorative piece. But I thought it was um, Niccolo Machiavelli's The Prince. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what's touching it. So I will cover both of those since they're kind of odd topics. So The Art of War, again, a thick boy. And if you're on video and you're looking at my copy of it, there, this is, there's tons of copies of it. I just picked this one because it has like the most footnotes. And it's, I, in my opinion, one of the best translated. Uh, there is a lot of highlights who's the publisher,
1: the who's the publisher if, if people want oh to that's a good point one. yeah
0: it's translated by thomas cleary uh and i don't how do you find the publisher i don't it know it's like tango random house uh shambhala shambhala boston and london 2003 oh. yeah shambhala publications s-h-a-m-b-h-a-l-a publications huh. translated by thomas cleary and the copyright data on it is 2003 but there's just I like this is a book that I need to read again and again and again because there's a lot in here related to basically war and it's basically how to avoid war like how to at all costs how to avoid conflict but if you do get into conflict conflict here's your way out and this in a lot of business schools in the US this is like required reading uh, because yeah, there are a lot of principles in here that apply to war, but because everything is strategic, there's actually no like physicality to it. So one of the things, th- one of the most famous quotes in this book is, um, is basically the abridged version is uh, know your enemy. So I said that earlier, but basically there's like three things. If you if you know yourself but not your enemy, victory is uncertain. If you know your enemy but not yourself, uh what does like victory is also uncertain? I can't remember, I'm butchering this. Uh <laughs> but if you don't if you don't know either yourself nor your enemy, vi- uh, defeat is certain. Um mm. let's see, know yourself quote Sun Tzu. Uh know your enemy. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh yeah, I butchered it. <laughs> I have the worst memory in the world, but let me read it here. It has to do there 's numbers in it let 's see let 's do images. I like to look up quotes on images because it 's easier. Got it. If you know your enemy and yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle so uh I like this because. It gives you a perspective on competition. So I know Koyu doesn't like competition. Like he doesn't like talking about it, thinking about it. He doesn't even believe it exists. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And to an extent, I like that logic too. I like the idea of thinking like, hey, abundance, like there is no competition, doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, there is. There is other places that people can go and do. And if you're not paying attention to what's out there in the market, you can be swallowed. And it's important to keep some level of... Uh, you know, focus or idea on what else is out there, and and how you separate yourselves from the market. You don't have to. F- I don't recommend following your competitors on social media, but every now and then, maybe do a spot check, see what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Cody doesn't have to do this because I do it. Yep. Um,
1: so I, uh, this book. That's, I forgot to ask. I didn't ask it with other ones, but I, I do feel like you've read too. this book. I haven't. <laughs> God, I want to get okay. Let's, I read the go book. Back.
0: Let's go back. Okay, let's go back. Did you read Start with Why, Simon Sinek? Nope. I've seen the video, but... I haven't. Okay, the and book. the one thing, I know you haven't read that one because mm-hmm. I've talked to you about it before. Yep. Um, okay, Art of War, great. That's just one example. There's a ton of other examples out there that you can apply to business. The whole time you're reading it, just think about business. If you're thinking about actual war, uh, don't read it. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Sun Tzu. Uh, okay. Well, what's cool about the Art of War is if you're like a big Gears of War Apex Predator or Apex fan... Uh, like video game wise, there are literally principles in that that you can apply to Apex. It's crazy. <laughs> like how to like surround your enemy and things like that. It's awesome. Uh, well, I have the prince. It's just in my other room. So this is the copy of Art of War that we're going to pretend is the prince. <laughs> but you see how it's way more aesthetically pleasing than the other one?
1: It looks very nice.
0: Yeah. I like this one. Lauren did a good job. And there's pictures in this one. That's how you know it's a good book. Picture books. Wait. No, there isn't any pictures. It's just very cody what does this
1: say uh i don't know those uh the middle one is nah i don't know i should know that one but i don't
0: it's in mandarin (laughs) uh but um anyways the prince i read this uh i read this in great books two class with jenny actually we uh we read this book together not like together but as a class (laughs) and the prince is very much I think a lot of people have heard about The Prince when they hear the phrase is better to be feared or loved because that comes right. from The Prince. Mm-hmm. And The Prince is really about leadership on kind of an individual levels. So I think like The Art of War and The Prince are really good to, to read like together. But the... Like there's one thing that really sticks out in my mind and it is like... There's a, there's, a, there's a scene in it that Machiavelli paints where he says, you know, invite all of your enemies over to dinner. Have like this big like banquet or or you know you know basically extend the olive branch and like when everybody's laughing and and having a good time and drinking uh slip out of the room have your guards come in and slit all their throats (laughs) and i was just like that's so metal that's a big shift (laughs) and i was like and he's like uh he's basically like that's how you like like that's how you win and i (laughs) didn't You know, on one level, like you have to like ethically think about how you want to operate your business. And then you also have to be like, you know, um, what I think Gary Vee says, like, there's two ways to to build the tallest building. You can either build the tallest building or you can tear all the other ones down. And I'd rather build the tallest building. Mm -hmm. So I just like the prints because there's there's other things in there, too, that show you how to be a, a better leader. So on the topic of is it better to be feared or loved? The actual answer is in the book. I'm not going to say what it is, though. Uh, Yeah. And it talks about your, like, your, to your subordinates. Like, is it better for your subordinates to love you or to fear you? And um, it's not what you think. Okay. I got to crank some of these out, man. We're already at 37 minutes. All right. Yeah. How many you got left? What are you down to? I got uh, five. Okay. I'm going to do Jeffrey Gittimer's The Little Red Book of Selling. Mm -hmm. I am not a salesperson, I've never been a salesperson, but. Uh, this book was kind of like my introduction, my introductory, my introduction to sales. And it isn't like a lot of the times when someone says like, ask for the sale on the phone or ask for the sale right now. I'm not, I I will never do that. That'll never be my sales approach. I will never be pushy. Um, but there is, there's a lot of stuff in here like that a lot of people agree with and kind of perpetuate and and express the cliche, which is silence is a huge, uh it's a huge uh was selling tactic so if you say your prices don't say anything shut up like when i worked at our old agency together there were like some of the when when they were hiring new sales reps and the sales reps were on like a pitch with the regional manager and the regional manager was just like okay say it and i'm like they said the price and he, and he would like put the phone on mute and he would say okay shut up and then there would be like like a weird 60 seconds of silence nothing and then all of a sudden, like it becomes like this this game of chicken where it's like, okay, who's going to break the silence first? Because the fir- but the person to break the silence first usually loses. And uh, and the dealer would come back and say, the dealer is the client, and they would say, all right, like let's go. And I've used this on all our sales calls. Sales calls a lot. Well, I'll just say the price, and I just won't say anything. And sometimes I'm, I feel like I make them feel awkward because I said my price and they thought I would say more, and then like I didn't. I'm like, that's what it is. So do you want it or no? <laughs> and like, uh, but the other thing that I really like about it in this book was there's a there's a phrase that uh, Jeffrey Gittimer really likes. He's got this whole blog you could follow. him. I think he, I mean, last time I followed him was like 2018, and uh, he posts like daily like sales tips. But one of them was uh, people hate being sold to but they love to buy and i thought that was really important so it was it basically illustrating like try don't sell any to any to anyone at all but get them to buy your product by way of realizing that your product is solves the challenges that they have so if you're going to somebody and you're saying hey my business is or this product is going to Increase your sales or increase your revenue by X percent. You're going to get this many leads. What if that wasn't their problem, though? If that's not a problem of theirs, then they don't want to be sold to. Now, it, when this usually works, when those tactics usually work, like we'll increase your leads, we'll increase your, um, you know, your uh, your revenue with our marketing programs. When that does work, out of the hundred people you cold call, and it works ten times, if that maybe uh, one time. It's because you called somebody who was struggling with leads and they are buying the solution to their problem. So this book really teaches you to focus on the problem of the business owner and not what you have to sell. All right. I, that's like the only time I'll ever talk about
1: sales because I hate sales. <laughs> I, the, the one that I didn't write this one down, but it made me think of the boron letters. by Gary. I, had, I was
0: going to bring that one in for you. Oh, really? yeah
1: Yeah. the only thing i'll mention from it is that because you're saying i think it's very common in our industry for people to negotiate and try to haggle down prices and that sort of thing and there's a part in the book where he talks about um similar concept you'll have the client say well let's do this or let's try this and he equates it to i think it's a heart surgeon is what he says like do you go to your heart surgeon who's an expert at heart surgery and say well what if we try this how about we try it this way what (laughs) if we don't do it like your expertise knows but what if we try this instead like no that's weird so why do you do it in advertising why do you go so, to the person who is an expert in advertising and say uh how about we I'll pay this instead or how about we try this tactic because I think it'll go better it's like that's a, it's insulting it's an insult mm-hmm. if you are good at this and you value your expertise in the field so anyway I,
0: I like that that was a good that was a good uh add-on to that because it it was it's very much how I sell which is I don't, but people buy from me. So, you know, if you don't like the price, like that's fine. Go somewhere else. Uh, but we know, you know, our prices, but um, just for some background letter, the information on the bar on letters, it's definitely worth a read for sure. It's, it's a relatively short book. Um, and I have two copies because Cody sent me one and I was meant to send back, send, send it back, but I started writing in it and I was like, Oh, and I feel like you sent me another one and then I still have it. So I
1: <laughs> uh that's something that i do uh i if i feel strongly that somebody would benefit from a certain book or something i just buy it and ship it to them because i that's i don't know i it happens all the time where i have i have feelings about book recommendations i guess the first one that i what are I've your always, feelings the first one that bugs me the most is that People recommend books to other people not because they think that they'll help the other person, but because they were helpful for them. And that's not helpful to the other person. So what the best example <laughs> so is. <laughs> <laughs> uh I didn't I didn't put mine down that way though. So um what was it? I lost it. What was I gonna say? Oh, okay. Mark Manson, right? Mm-hmm. I very cool, very good writer. Uh I've read a lot of this stuff and I like a lot of it. I think he's very interesting. When the, and then I'm, I'm going to break the, the PG 13 taboo here. And I'll probably drop the F bomb more than once just because it's the title of his book.
0: You mean you'll, you mean to drop the SpongeBob dolphin squeak?
1: <laughs> yeah, please edit it out then. So I'll, I'll say it slowly. So you can, you can beep it. His book, uh, the subtle art of not giving a, <laughs> right. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, and Jenny's laughing. She's right next to me. I can't tell you the number of people who said, code, you should read this book. And what they actually meant was, Cody, you could have written this book, (laughs) right? It's, and it's, it's nice and it's flattering, but I think that's important when you. You you, can't, you, you couldn't have written that book though, because that's how little you don't give a. (laughs) Yeah, I think. So when I think of book recommendations, I don't think that way. I don't think, oh, this was very helpful for me at this point in time in my life. So, you know. Um, I'm going to recommend it just because it was, no, I try to think of the other person and what they're experiencing and what might help them. And I think even so there's another, um, maybe I can dig it up and maybe you can drop it in the, uh, in the show notes, but it's called, what's it called? It's an article called, it was on the all, I think. And it's called like, um, advice is worthless or something like that And it goes into the logic of why why people are weird with advice and the main thing being when people ask for it, they're usually seeking mere information. They just want to be told back the information that they're looking for. Right. And if they don't, mm-hmm. they're seeking, for, they're not seeking for advice or seeking for validation. Right. Right. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So let me write it down. I'll try to, I'll try to dig that up and see if they can, if we can find it.
0: Uh, an interesting fact in the boron letters, that's actually written that there it's a, it's a book that's compiled by, um, Gary Halbert's son Bond Halbert, where Gary is actually in uh, prison, and he's writing letters to his son about basically you know advertising and sales, and then so Bond puts it puts it together, and then you know makes all the money off of his dad. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they split it. I don't, I don't know how it works, but it was it's really cool to read that and knowing that like all these were like written in a prison, and then like Bond applies it to like actual life um, and actual marketing.
1: Hmm. um yeah it's it's one of the better ones i think as far as marketing books go um it's not my top but i do if you've read the other ones then i think it's a good read
0: so there there is one book that i sent you so so cody does this thing where he he sent me books that he thinks i should read and then i don't read them
1: (laughs) um (laughs) you <laughs> know, I do all the work. I'm like I will There, there are the some to though. Day. I I read
0: the Bar on Letters. I started reading the Master Key to Riches. I didn't finish it. Yeah, um, it's fine. I don't actually care. Uh you sent me a rework. I read that. Hmm. Which is yeah. on the list. Um and you sent me On Writing Well, which is on the which is on your list. Um yeah. So I sent you Profit First by Mike McCallowitz, mm-hmm. And this and I I don't think this was a book that Cody would have taken anything from, but as a CEO, I was like, this is the direction the business is going. So <laughs> read this book and, and understand how our finances are going to be handled. But I think after you read it, you're like, actually, yeah, this makes sense. It just needed to be about a hundred pages, a sh- hundred pages shorter.
1: Yeah. Um, I haven't read Simon Sinek's book, but I imagine it's, pr- there's a lot of that, right? I, that's, yeah. this is the nature of the modern world is that cliches are summed up easily, but if you want to sell it, you have to, extend it and prolong it so that people feel better about spending their money on it instead of just accepting that most of the problems in the world aren't new. Uh, (laughs) I digress. This is me and my stoic life. Anyway,
0: So, um, profit first, this, this, we've talked a little bit about this book. Um, we've mentioned it and the profit first system, but the, the biggest thing about it is that a lot of business, every business out there in, in the history of businesses has always paid profit last so after expenses after payroll after taxes after owner's withdrawal then they would have whatever is left is for profit and that's how businesses aren't profitable is because there's nothing left and sometimes they're running in a deficit but if you start paying the profit first before your expenses before your payroll before your owner's withdrawal the business will always be profitable so like for us if we put 10 percent into profit as soon as we get paid, so if a client pays us a thousand dollars in margin, and as as soon as that comes into our account, a hundred dollars goes into the profit account. That's ten percent, and then maybe and then after that, you start segmenting and walling off other accounts. So like you, we have as an agency, we have marketing, we have um, you know operating expenses and payroll, and we and we split those those off. If and we can do a whole episode on this, but if if we have operating expenses at 10% allocation and they start exceeding 10% allocation, then we need to cut operating expenses because we've only allowed 10% to be allocated towards that. Um, and, and we can't, we can't get things if we're at 10% and we want our new software can't do it. Um, just the way it works. Um, highly recommend the profit first. If you don't read any book in this, in this, uh, category, I recommend profit first Cody puppet disagrees with me, but as a business owner,
1: this is what I recommend. I read the first chapter. It was cool. It was good. <laughs> I liked it. I just, you read like... it
0: and you sent me a message and you're like, could, could this just be like a blog post?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I ever, I felt like, I felt like everything was told in the first chapter and then the rest of the time was just going to be spent convincing me why it was a good idea, but I already accepted that it was a good idea and it was fine. So <laughs> like, okay. which yeah, is a cool. feat
0: on its own to get you to accept something as a good idea? And you know, 10 pages. it
1: seems really smart. Uh, it it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of business owners get thrown off by the idea of walling off their money in certain allocated uh, Yeah, We have places. like but, six or seven accounts
0: in our bank account. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's when you do accounting, it's like, it, it's not usually like that. You usually have two you have like a savings and like a checkings. And then like, you just have this pool of money, but on, but in your books, it's all separated out for us in our books. It is separated out and we have the bank accounts to match it. So, like, you could you could see where all the money is. Um, all right. I pulled this book out because I thought you were going to talk about it. Hmm. This scientific is the advertising, scientific advertising, yeah, by uh Claude C. Hopkins. I haven't read this, but you sent it to me and I haven't read it.
1: Yeah, it's good. I, I put it you? on the same tier as the Boron Letters. Um, so not, me, not these... quite worthy to be on your list, but worthy to send to me. Uh, I was. Okay, I was in the impression with the list. I'm like, okay, if they're only going to read three books, if I tell them three books that they should read, then that's what I was going to do at the very top. But so me, we didn't talk
0: about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, let's do book recommendations, and I'm like, here's all mine. Uh, my bad. Okay,
1: uh, it's it is a good book. I I think there's a lot of things that bother me with modern advertising, advertising and marketing, and it's the industry and. It's people really just trying to validate their own beliefs that have been perpetuated and they believe um, because somebody else told them and it's not really founded in anything yeah it doesn't really make oh. sense so scientific advertising is a it goes back to it's an old book right? I'd say go look for it on eBay somewhere um, because it's it's very old but it just says your advertising should prove that it's worth it if it's not then don't do it You, Mm -hmm. whatever money you're investing, you should be getting a return on it. And if not, it's not effective marketing and advertising. That's the the the,
0: quote unquote branding or like,
1: I'll get you more TikTok views. Like who gives exactly views, impressions, all these things. If you aren't seeing a positive return on your investment, it is bad advertising. Mm -hmm. And of course nobody likes to, yeah, nobody, especially once you get to the whales, the very large clients that have huge marketing budgets and, uh, why not right if you're in that position where they're going to be spending the money anyway and if you don't tell them how they can spend it they're just going to go find a different place somewhere else because at that big of a company once it gets that size they have a budget and it's their job to spend it they got to put it somewhere and if they don't they're going to be in trouble it's a very weird place to be but anyway Mm.
0: i don't have the book here but uh gary v's crush it and and subsequently crushing it the the follow-up to it um for those of you who listen to the the, the podcast quite frequently, I don't really favor Gary Vee. I don't hate him. I just uh, just kind of find him cliche, and he's like the, he's like the Nickelback of gurus. Just like <laughs> Nickelback, <laughs> it's just like he wasn't bad when that's all he was, but then like he's like a guru it, meme now. Yeah, he's just he's just a meme, and and I think I think he he dove into a period of like just like saying shit for shock value, and. Uh, that's where he lost me but um those books actually kind of kick-started the agency of you know one you know picking a niche and sticking to it and then two also being becoming an authority in that niche so if you listen to our episodes on uh how to write for niche publications and just like you know building relationships and then also i feel like we had one uh another one but uh, about just kind of being that face in the industry and crush it and crushing it like really drive that home and crushing it gives you actual examples of people who have applied the the, the principles and crush it a little, little background is I actually read crushing it first because I thought it was crush it <laughs> and so like I read it backwards and it was still fine like I didn't even know there was a prequel until like I finished crushing it so um, if you can find either one of them I would recommend reading them okay Next one I have on the list is Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. Are you serious? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> it was just in the sack.
0: <laughs> so, Lauren, I told you about my little table over here. Um, she has three books on there for decoration. One of them is The Art of War. Uh, the next one is, uh, where is it? Oh, um, The Wealth of Nations. Uh, 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 Adam Smith. Adam Smith. John Adams was, is the founding father.
1: I was like, there's an Adam. Right. Yeah, it, I know. I, just, I get it. It was some super hit. white guy name.
0: Yeah, I, I get Adam Smith and um, Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I, um, yeah, by Adam Adam Smith, and it, it's basically the uh, the capitalist version of the Communist Manifesto, hmm, uh, right. which I also have. I also have the Communist Manifesto. It's it's in the other room. Uh, that's
1: that's an art of war
0: thing. Know your enemy. Who
1: wrote, who uh, wrote that one? The Communist Manifesto. Karl Marx. Yeah, see, his name's so much easier to remember instead of two two white. What's first crazy names.
0: is they're both easy. Like, yeah, they're, they're both <laughs> easy to like to say, but like to remember, it's like ah, it's one of those white guy names.
1: Um, I think it's because Marx is it's with the X, right? Yeah. So for some reason that just sticks in my brain easier. Like maybe mm-hmm. if this, I can not remember what is it? John and Smith, Smith, Adam, Adam Smith, Adam Smith. See, come on. <laughs> it doesn't get more white guy than that you can even mix them yeah. around maybe his name if, if you told me his name was smith adams sure yeah i i believe you i have no reason to think you could say any other white guy and you just throw scott smith i i come on it's not fair <laughs> anyway.
0: so i have those three books i have uh the art of war uh it starts with they're stacked on top of each other so it's it's um the Wealth of the Nations, The Art of War, and the uh, and then Fifty Shades of Grey. And Lauren did that. She was like, "I'm going to make this office very classy." But then she put she ordered Fifty Shades of Grey and she put it on the table and she, like think, trying to think I wouldn't notice. <laughs> uh, and so I just left it there. And anybody who comes in the office, I just wait to see if they find it. Um, and I, I posted a picture on my Facebook page actually of all these books, and I snuck 50 Shades of Gray in there. And uh, some people liked it, and then some people like called it out. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> someone, someone goes, uh, I agree. Agencies should focus on getting a pleasure room. <laughs> and my thought process is like, well, I didn't read it, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> huh. I was going to ask that. I'm like, have you read it? No, I think I did watch it, but maybe just bits and pieces of it. Not, not in that entirety.
1: Book. You showed it. It's, I was surprised at how thick it was. <laughs> you know what else in this book is thick? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I opened that up for that. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, moving on to the real books. Um, I'm going to do uh, the E-Myth Landscape Contractor. So this is by uh, Michael E. Gerber and co-written by Anthony C. Bass. Anthony C. Bass is actually a person in the landscaping industry, and Michael E. Gerber is the person who wrote the E Myth, the original E Myth. So there's the E Myth stands for the like I think it's the Entrepreneur Myth, but it's he he does all these offshoots, all these niche books, which is smart, Ugh, niching down. <laughs> we should do an episode on niching down. Um, but uh, it was really cool because a lot of. People in my industry, a lot of landscapers were reading this book. And I was like, I should read the book to know what they're talking about. And so it really just helps me understand uh, what a good landscaping company looks like from an internal perspective. And so it allowed me to not only come into this just from a marketing perspective, but also being able to apply uh, what I know about marketing into my client's world. And understand some of the struggles that they have, not only with just, you know, getting leads, but also, you know, pricing their services or uh finding, you know, clients and are not clients, uh employees, things like that. So if there is an emeth for your niche, I recommend picking it up. Um or just read the emoth contractor and the or the emyth um in general. EMyth is a good book. Do you think I, I've read assume, that one? I assume. No.
1: Yeah, you're right. I haven't. I think <laughs> we it was have Dave different... I think Dave was the one. I asked him once what books I should read, and I think it was that was one. He said like two. That was one of them, and he goes, "But you probably could have written it." So it's, I think it was Dave who said it's fine. Like it's it's mm-hmm. all about systems and processes, right? And, and like yeah, unsexifying the entrepreneurial that, concept and how it's actually not super exciting. The actual work is pretty boring, and that's where you literally actually get the growth part.
0: Literally, the subtitle of it is why most landscape companies don't work and what to do about it. And so I think I think the original title, the original subtitle, is like "Why Most Companies Don't Work and What to Do About It." So the mm-hmm. e "Why Most Companies Don't Work and What to Do About It," just by itself. Uh, hey, you don't, you guys don't know Dave, but if Dave recommends a book, you should read it.
1: Yeah, Dave. Shout out, Dave. Dave the Ninja. Dave M. Dave M. We won't completely.
0: Unless you want us to. When we mentioned uh, Lauren's coworker the other day, uh, she was upset we didn't say her name.
1: So, oh really? Teresa, this is for again? you. Teresa, that's a nice name.
0: (laughs) All right. The uh, next one I'll I'll talk about is one that you recommend. Sent to to. me.
1: Uh, One after this. Oh, okay. So this is the final two.
0: Yeah. So this will be a little bit longer episode, but we get some feedback that if the longer episodes are good, then then that's fine. Hmm. Uh, Rework. Yeah. Uh, I I lost my mm-hmm. cover to this, so it's by the like, owners, uh, by the like, guys who created uh, the the project management tool at Basecamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know their names, but uh, who are they? I lost my cover. <laughs> their their information is only on the cover.
1: I uh, can't remember their names. They're the Basecamp guys. That's what I rework know. rework are oh, Jason Fried
0: or Freed and David Hansen. So they created Basecamp and. Basically the essential part of this book was hey, build a company that you want, not what your customers want. And if if customers fit or clients fit outside of the mold of the direction that you want to take the company, don't change for them. Uh you know, do do what you want to do. And I wrote a whole I actually wrote a whole uh book report on this on my website at jconley That was back when I was like, I'm gonna write book reports for every book I read. And then I did one and I didn't do it again so rework is on there that's kind of what i took from it and there's a phrase that you said in one of our earlier podcast episodes which was every no and every or every yes that you say should point your business in the direction that you want to take it Mm -hmm. and that is
1: basically how i summarize rework yeah i think uh rework is kind of in the same vein as the four-hour work week in that both in some ways have been a little a little memeified. But they were the first ones to introduce many concepts. And <laughs> Jake's got the four-hour <laughs> work week. I'm holding it the four-hour a four-hour work week. Right? Not, it's
0: not It's not a book I recommend, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe the free work depends on how much of this Kool-Aid you drank so far. If you're already fully in the remote work and uh, you, know, you can do things however you want in your business, if you already know and understand that stuff, then great but otherwise i think it was kind of the first book to introduce many of the concepts that we now kind of take for granted in the remote agency world or, or SAS. SAS is the other thing of course because it was base camp so
0: we were on base camp i think while we were reading that and then mm. right about when i finished we left <laughs> it had nothing to do with the book it was just like yeah. it didn't fit our our agency model and they weren't and, and after we read the book we're like well they're not going to change it for us so
1: yeah and i know that uh, they kind of, they recently base camp had issues. So it kind of, it can, I don't think it changes any of the importance of the things that they said and believe And but it, it is one of those instances where you know, they come in strongly with this is our philosophy and that sort of thing. And then it's not in the book, but later on, if you follow the story, you, you kind of see how uh, implode is too strong of a word. The issues that they also face as a result of that too. So if you're interested, just do your own research on what, the drama. what has happened with Basecamp. But I didn't even know anything happened with them. Yeah, I don't want to right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to look it up.
0: All right, I have, my, I have one one last book. I actually have two books, but you, but it's the same book as you. Uh, well, one of them. So this one I haven't finished yet, but I'm eager to finish it because I have loved everything I've heard about it, and it's made me feel like I am on the path. Um, well. The Simple Path to Wealth. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. I didn't by, know you by, had that one in there.
0: Yeah, by J.L. Collins. Yes. Uh, you, you recommended it. This isn't a book that you sent to me, so I bought it. And, like, I'm seeing highlights on page 66. So, oh, I see a bookmark uh, on I page did. I
1: thought I bought that 91. one for you. I was, man, Yeah, I thought uh, I did. I'm on
0: chapter 11 right now. But um, this is... Uh, it's all about like where to like like how to invest basically and how to not be stupid. And it's not like the like the crypto traders and the day traders out there that are like oh like you know, uh, buy high, sell low, or uh, you know, it's it's very much like very simple. Like stick a bunch of money in the S and P five hundred, and then um, if you want to scrape a, scrape a hundred thousand dollars off the top every year when you get two million in
1: 2, there. 2.5 2. 5 in Vanguard, guys. Two point yeah. five in Vanguard
0: and Cody says 2.5 on Vanguard a lot. And I think he said it on the show quite a bit. That's where this comes from. Yeah. Um, And basically the whole process, the the whole premise of it is if you can get 2.5 million in Vanguard, the average, not interest, the average, the money you can expect to get out of it. Yeah. I don't know. The average growth of it, the average return is roughly 4%. So that, and that that's been recorded since the start of the S and P 500. So, I mean, some years you'll, you'll have 11%, some years it'll go down, but like, uh, average up to 4%. But basically what it's saying is every single year you could pull off a hundred, you can pull a hundred thousand dollars out of it and have a hundred thousand dollars salary for literally doing nothing. Cause you have $2.5 million in Vanguard. Obviously there are some caveats to that, but, um, it's the same. It's, it's, it's basically a very similar premise. Um, just kind of teaches you how to do that and how to avoid all of like the fake, uh, you know, financial planners out there and fake gurus for, uh, you don't have to be an expert investor to start sticking money into Vanguard today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I have besides the one that we overlap with. So uh, after an hour and five minutes, I'll let you tell your three. So, for what it's worth, you wanted to go after me. You said yeah. Jake go
1: first. So I was like, all right, buckle in. That's how I, I, like, I like being the, you know me, I like hanging out, but not being up front. So it's kind of fun this mm-hmm. way. Uh, I only had three books, but maybe I can talk about them slightly longer, and to make it seem like it was more than than what I actually have. <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, yeah, if you only read three books, I think most people would benefit from all of these in one way or another uh, in business and in the digital marketing agency space. And the first one is on writing well, the classic guide to writing nonfiction by William Zinser. And this is one that I buy with newbies and read along with them because yeah, I think there's, so, mm, there's so much to get from it. So it's kind of split in two parts. I think the first half of the book is only... I can't remember how many pages. It's comparatively short to the whole thing too. You don't even have to read part two if you only read part one. The main thing about it is that when... Okay, when you go to college, everything that they teach you about writing is the opposite of what you should actually start doing in the real world. If you start beefing up your vocabulary to seem more important than uh, it is, people intentionally make things difficult to seem important. I've said this before, that uh, novices complicate things to prove their worth, and experts simplify them for the same reason. Same thing goes with writing. I strongly believe that. If you write concisely and clearly and simply, it just goes along... It goes so much better um, with the client communication, too. So it's a great one for simplifying and, and learning how to write well. And uh, I think everybody can take something away from it. I know I have. And even when I reread it, I still take things away from it.
0: There are there are actually four parts to it. There's four? the principles. Yeah, so I've got it in front of me. This is what it looks like.
1: Um, um, I think my, my copy is the princi- only the old editions. The principles? Uh,
0: the methods, the forums. So the forums is where like you stop. You don't read the forums. That's I didn't read the forums. Um, I I did read chapters eleven or uh, chapters eleven and sixteen, which are nonfiction as literature and business writing. Um, or business writing, writing in your job.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but they have other like how to write like write about places like in travel or how to write about sports or how to write about the arts and humor. And then part four is the attitudes. And this would actually be a good part uh, to read too, because this talks about like the sound of your voice and like, um, you know, how some things can come off if you only read part one, like Cody, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which explains why uh, some of your directness can kind of be off putting because you don't read. part <laughs> four. <laughs> yeah,
1: it <that> makes sense. <laughs> I will say, like, you get the message across, but I'm just like, is he mad? (laughs) I'm a robot. It's fine. I know it. What are you other two? Um, Okay, other two. Did you have this one? Uh, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert. I don't know how to say his last name. It's like Cialdini. I probably butchered it. It'll be in the
0: show notes. Um, No, I only had How to Win Friends and Influence
1: People. Okay, so this one, I think if you read one marketing book, this is the one you read. I, as in, I majored in communication at college and I took many courses that were marketing adjacent and I was surprised in that most of the things that I learned in classes that I spent a lot of money for were really just covered in this one book. So you can get most of that college education just by reading this. And it's the basics, the very fundamentals of marketing. I think it's marketing one one and you should read it for that reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I'll, you haven't recommended it to me yet. So I really, yeah, I don't. I've never heard that.
1: Uh, oops,
0: sorry. Send me an email about it, <laughs> and then I'll purchase it and not read it like <laughs> the rest of them. Like you, you got me the Count of Monte Cristo as like a fun read, and I was like, this book is so long. <laughs> like, yeah, I watched the movie. It's so good though.
1: If I, I will, yeah.
0: eventually I'll read it. I'll, eventually I will read it when I get to the point where I'm like. You know, it's a beach all book. the time.
1: Like, you got it. Yeah. No, you need all the time yeah. in the world to read that one because it's going, it'll take you half a year. No joke.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't like audiobooks either. So I'm not going to like read it. I just, I feel like
1: that's cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's final one was Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. Uh, I, this is one I can't even remember if I've gotten to the actual end of the book because every time I reread it, it blows my mind. Um, it is one, it is the most expensive book. book in the history of books it is extremely expensive and if you only get one book let it be this like if you want the book on advertising it's this one and it's littered with you know typos and it's terribly the publishing quality is awful but the material is it's just amazing um it teaches you how it. to do good advertising i still haven't read it it's like 200 hundred dollar book yeah yeah and it really it i can't hype it up enough the textbook It is. If you only have one book issue, and there have been times where I remember when I was still at Spiny Tech, I just, I would reference it. I'd look it up and like just flip to different pages because it gives examples and ideas on how to do different things. And yeah, there's, there's so many concepts that I've learned from there that I've had to explain either to other marketers or to business owners, because they seem just, they seem innate, like you should know them, but uh, it explains them Obviously, so that you're able to understand. I don't know. I'm not doing a good job explaining it, but um, you should read it. I do recommend it.
0: Yeah, I really want to read it.
1: Uh, I just, there's a
0: PDF version online, but I'm like, I'm not going to read a PDF. I'm not going to read one of those damn electronic books. (laughs) I want a real thing I can hold like you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's all. Those are all the ones that I. That I had. Those in my big three. Um, you said to have. You said to have a fun book
0: to read, and I just I don't have one. My fun book would be The Art of War because I honestly I don't read. I don't read as much as people say, and it's funny because it, I kind of go. On, I thought about like getting audiobooks now because I run a lot, and so I'm like, this would be the perfect time to listen. I can read, you know, infinite books because I'm double. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm double timing, but I would still have to purchase the physical copy and then sort through it and do my highlights. I just mentally I have to do that and. I remember you saying all the time, you're like, you only have so much time in your life and taking a reading a book takes up time. So I have to decide at which books I'm going to read before I die. Because if I read one book, that means I can read one less book (laughs) before I die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You think of all the books that are out there. I've spent this is, these are one of my, this was a shower thought one day of like, you know, think of all the books that exist in the world and then think of how many you read in a year and then how many years you have left before you die. Right. So if you read, one book a year and you've got 50 years left, you're going to read 50 books and then you're going to die. So those better be 50 good books that you choose. Or, you know, maybe at some point in your life, it's going to change. You retire, you'll be able to read more, that sort of thing. But um, I'll be honest, in the last two years, three years, it's just been purely Japanese books, like language learning books. I haven't read any, you know, with a few exceptions, haven't read very many Uh, business books or that sort of thing.
0: I started reading the four hour work week just because um, I hate the people who do read it. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta read this. Um, and, uh, or I don't the people who do read it. I hate the people who like follow it to a T and they only took like half the book or not even half the book, like a 10th of the book. And they're like, I can only work four hours a week. I'm like, yeah, but you have to work 80 hours a week for 10 years first. (laughs) Like that was the whole point of the, the, the first part of the book. Yeah. and, uh, But that's why I started uh, reading that. And, and I do that with a lot of books. I do that with a lot of videos too. Like I don't like to, but I feel like at some point it's kind of my job.
1: Yeah. I've gotten very good at quitting books too. I used to not do that. I would start reading and then I would feel like obligated to finish it because I don't know why, because I was told that it was good and therefore I should give it the full attention that it deserves. But now like I read page one and if it's not slapping, I'm out.
0: <laughs> if you, you you can say be like oh you know anybody argues that you can't uh, you can't commit to a book you can say that's right I commit to myself.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, uh, this is good. I feel like this is good. I feel like we we let a lot of uh, listeners know that we do uh, read sometimes. <laughs>
1: mm. Well, and b- before I went back to college, right, I read a lot i read a lot more and it's not that i'm not reading now i'm still reading an absolute crap ton it's just i'm reading a lot in japanese now um so nobody's interested in that though <laughs>
0: no. no we should do an episode on all the books we hate mm, uh i'll start i'll start think. it off uh grant cardone's 10x <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say no more um actually actually i will i just thought it was very redundant and unrealistic <laughs> if you like it cool i mean like if you if you can apply those great uh I don't know if but i books I, that I, don't I, like. I i can't if someone says you you suck and the solution is just to do more uh no thank you hmm. all right, that's all i got yeah sorry everybody <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> see ya